0: Discover the magic of integrating your financial, legal, and life planning. It's time for smart, simple wealth. Well, hello and welcome to another edition of Smart Simple Wealth. I'm Walter Storholt alongside Carrie Kureshi and we've got another great show on the way for you today. In case you're new to the show, let me tell you a little bit about Carrie. She is an estate and wealth planning attorney at Kureshi Law Firm, serving you in both Arkansas and Texas. You can find her online at QureshiLaw.com. And Carrie, it's great to be with you once again this week. How you been?
1: Oh, I'm fantastic today. How are you, Walter?
0: I'm glad to hear that. I am well and excited for our uh, conversation today. Our main topic of the day, Carrie, is going to be about Financial challenges, planning challenges in particular, uh, for women. So, you're well qualified to talk about this topic, I would guess.
1: <laughs> I, I think so. Um, it's an interesting topic. Um, and, like you said, lots to talk about. And I'm excited for today's show.
0: We're going to draw some good comparisons for folks between planning if you're as part of a couple, but also if you are uh, a single woman, uh, whether single by choice or divorced or widowed. Uh, we've got kind of a little bit of something for everyone listening to today's show and good. Guidance all throughout. I think we also have a great question from Christy. Uh, Christy, uh, mom passed away earlier this year, and she has some questions about a last will and testament and uh, some things dealing with the estate. So we look forward to answering Christy's question today as well. Lots to get to, but would sometimes like to start off the show with a quote of the month. And today's quote comes to us from Christine and we are somewhat guessing at this name, uh, but we did some Googling before the show. <laughs> Gre- uh, Gregoire? Gre- Gregoire? 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 Something like that? Our French is, uh, if, if, if we're talking French here, it's, we're not doing a very good job. Right.
1: I, I'm the not theory, going right. to even try, Walter. I'm going to let you handle that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'll fall on that sword. All right. So Christine Gregg something, um, apparently a former governor of the state of Washington uh, said, it is up to us to live up to the legacy that was left for us and to leave a legacy that is worthy of our children and of future generations. Pretty logical and uh, inspiring quote.
1: Right. And this is one of my favorite quotes, Walter. Um, and, and I think, think what this comes down to is is the american dream right i know that my parents had a better life than their parents did and then that just encouraged them to work harder to give me and you know my brothers a better life and so i feel like she you know she's talking about you know it's up to each generation about creating that legacy for their loved ones and and the reason why i love this so much is it speaks to really what we do at creation law and wealth it's all about planning ahead um, and, and protecting what we've worked hard for and, and protecting our loved ones and so i think that that really sums it up nicely.
0: That's a great point. I think a lot of people can probably identify with that. Um, you know, i think a lot about my parents and the foundation that they built and trying to stand on their shoulders and you know, take move the ball down the field, take it to the next level and hope to one day have my children kind of pick up the torch in whatever fashion that takes, but pick up that torch in terms of legacy and, and move it forward even more. That that element of progress is certainly inspiring and cool to think about. So a good scene setter for today's program. All right, let's launch into it. Financial and estate issues that are particularly challenging for women. And I think many issues, carry they affect, affect us and impact us all the same. But then there are other challenges that because we're all unique— have varying impacts from person to person. And one of those uniquenesses is uh, you know, we have men and we have women who enter into retirement, and some things indeed uh, present unique challenges to each of us. And so I want to take a look at some of those that are unique to the women side of that equation. Just out of curiosity, and I know that we're going to make maybe some generalizations on today's show, I think probably important to mention that We might be seeming like we're talking about stereotypes and those kinds of things, but there's ground truth to your experience and anecdotal evidence to everything that you've seen. And so we're going to kind of be putting some things into some most of the times, uh, you know, those kinds of phrases here. We certainly recognize that there can be caveats to some of the things that we talk about. But with that said, Carrie, what level of engagement do you find that most women have with the retirement planning process
1: in their households? Right. And I appreciate you giving the the, the foreword about, you know, generalizations, because that was, you know, in general, um, you know, we find that most married women coming into, you know, the planning process, they are less likely to be involved than their husband. Most of the time, you know, what we're seeing is, is the husband is managing the finance and the investments um, and the wife, you know, either isn't interested in that or... Just kind of lets the husband say, you know, well, if you really want to do it, you, you go and handle it, which is interesting compared to the women I meet that are single or divorced or widowed um, that really have a more active role in, in the retirement planning. And so it is a very stark contrast just based on that relationship.
0: Yeah, I think that's interesting to to recognize. And then, with that level of engagement, I'm sure comes challenges for those who aren't as engaged. And now, Carrie, I could do some googling real quick and probably find out uh, you know dozens, if not hundreds, of articles that talk about how women are increasingly finding themselves in difficult financial situations. The reasons, however, seem to be um, varied. Why is it that you see so many retired women finding themselves in those spots?
1: Well, you know, like I, like you said, I think there's a couple of reasons for that. I think probably the most obvious is that women live longer than men. So we have a longer, you know time horizon and we have to really have more money to cover that longer retirement period. I think that's kind of the the biggest issue. I think a second factor in that is for the clients um, or the women that are married or don't really have an interest in planning. They're not taking an active role. They're not educating themselves. So maybe they are delaying planning for retirement. So they're getting a later start. And then, you know, another factor that I think of is, you know, women that take time off to have children um, and maybe step back from their career. Um, Maybe their earning capacity goes down. Maybe they stop, you know, saving money because they don't have access to a 401k through their employer. So they don't save as much money as, you know, the man does. Uh, And so those are some really unique challenges. And we have to talk about them. And the sooner that we can address these issues and recognize them, then the easier it is to actually um, plan for them. They're they're not in a difficult situation in in retirement.
0: We're so interested, I think, in making sure that we're well prepared for the challenges that the future may throw at us. But one of the biggest challenges I think someone can face is the death of a spouse. And often, you know, we know the stats, women live longer than men on average. And so I think there's a lot more widowed women who now have to figure out the family you know, uh, household finances and, and sort their situation out. Are there some specific challenges that you think are worth bringing up on the show today that uh, widowed women particularly face?
1: Well, I think we, we touched on the subject just a little earlier. I think it's the fact that for most widowed women, their husbands had always been the ones to manage the money. And so when he passes, there's this, this I think, sense of overwhelm of, you know, now I have to manage the finances and retirement, and I've never done that before, and I don't know how to do that, and I don't know how to get help. And, and it's a completely new mindset or skill set. Um, and, and so that's been challenging for a lot of our clients that, that have lost a, a spouse is to kind of take on that new role. and take charge of their retirement.
0: Well, I think the, uh, you know, widowed women is certainly one thing to talk about. Those who have gone through divorce, as you've talked about as well, face big challenges. But this show is not just for women as well. You know, we can talk about the husbands out there. Or if you flip the equation, say you're in the caveat that's maybe the less popular situation where, uh, you know, the woman is handling kind of the retirement planning and taking the lead role there, you know, then this could still be a message to them. But let, let's just stick with sort of the stereotype here on today's show. If you could specifically speak to the husbands or those that do control the finances in the family, what are some things that you would say to encourage them to make sure that they don't leave that financial mess behind for their wives or for their significant other to clean up?
1: Well, I think this is a a great question, Walter, um, and and it's so important that both spouses be involved in the planning process. Um, that's actually one of my requirements. Um, if you call in and you want to make an appointment, if, if you have a significant other that needs to be part of the decision making process, they, they need to be involved. And sometimes, and most of the time, you know, it, it is the husband saying, well, you know, my wife really doesn't have any interest in that. Um, we are really going to encourage you to be part of that. Because if something happens to you, your spouse, you know, needs to know um, what the plan is. They need to know, are they on track for retirement? Where is the money? Um, What is our investment philosophy and the goal? And that's critical uh, because you don't want to put your loved one in that position that we just talked about earlier, um, you know, for most widows having that sense of overwhelm when they do lose a spouse. It's just, it's it's, it's not a good place to be. Um, And one of the things, you know, it's more specifically for the husbands, but I, I see this a lot with them is sometimes they will have the mentality that, well, they're going to go first. And, and, and it happens with estate planning and, and financial planning. Well, we're going to go first. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to worry about that. I'm going to be dead and gone, you know. And, and that's why they are leaving a mess for their spouse. And, and for most you know, people, that's not really what we want to do.
0: Well, I uh, love always getting stories from you Carrie. Can you think of some specific examples or even just one maybe of a widowed or divorced woman who came to meet with you and uh, maybe had some problems, had some of these struggles that we've talked about and you were able to make some changes to make a big difference in their life?
1: Mm. Yeah, you know, there's this one, you know, moment that really stands out to me and it's it's been a while now. It's probably been five or six years since this happened, but we had a client um, a husband and wife actually that had come in and we had done their estate plan and set up a trust for them and then um, you know a couple years had passed and then the husband passed away and i remember the wife coming into the meeting where we were going through and looking at the trust and trying to figure out you know the next steps and she came in she was visibly upset i mean just to start off the meeting and of course you know I, I'm talking to her and you know saying you know what what's wrong you're just not quite yourself today, you know, and I know, I know you've lost your husband, but is there anything else? And she just kind of pulled out some of her financial statements. And she just said, you know, Carrie, I don't know what to do. You know, I let my, my husband manage our retirement. And when I would check in, you know, he always said things were good. You know, we had this much money, things were on track. So she's like, I never really worried about it. And she's like, now, you know, he's gone and I've got these statements. And she's like, it's almost half of what we had before. And she's like, I don't, I don't know how half. he was wow. half, and and this this was after um the two thousand and eight, two thousand and nine market crash. And she said, you know, I don't know how he was invested, but but this isn't what I, I can't live off of. You know, this number, this I can, this is not enough to support me in retirement. And she's like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I can't go back to work. You know, I have, you know, medical expenses and things of that. Um, and it was, you know, as a person, I mean, it was so painful for me to see. But we were able to kind of calm her down and say, you know, look, you know, we can turn this around. Um, we can work with you and just kind of, you know, show you how we can make this work and how we can safely build up your retirement balance. You know, it's it's, it's not, you know, over. And it was really important for me to be able to feel like I could improve that situation, that, that it, it wasn't over. Um, but it was just, you know, like I said, it's one of those moments that just really stands out to me even to this day.
0: Mm, yeah, it's uh, got to be tough for you as a professional to deal with those situations, no matter how much you train for it and prepare for it. There's always this balance of the financial side, but the emotional side that you've got to figure out as well. And, and so often that gets overlooked by, by folks. We either view it too emotional, or we look at it, everything is just ones and zeros. And there's really, I think, to do proper planning, it seems like from all these times I've talked to you, Carrie, it really is a balance of the two. And trying to make sure that you, 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 have, you strike that balance of emotions and what makes sense from a dollars and cents standpoint and good financial practices.
1: Right. Because, I mean, I think as a human, you can't always look at it as what makes sense financially when you're talking about someone's loved ones and their children and grandchildren um, or their money. Um, you know, what make, might make sense on paper might not make sense in somebody's heart. And so we have to kind of talk about the pros and cons, um, and and like you said, find a balancing act and, and what's going to be the best choice for that family.
0: Well, it makes a lot of sense, Carrie. And if you are listening to today's show and wondering to yourself if you have good plans in place for your significant other, for yourself, for your family as a whole, in the event that you run into one of these situations that we do find are particularly challenging for women in today's day and age, um, and you would like some help figuring out a better path forward, a better path ahead, you can certainly reach out to Carrie at any time by calling 870 275 4304. That's 870 4304 And you can also find Carrie online at QureshiLaw.com. That's QureshiLaw.com. And we'll put a link in the description of today's show, so it's easy for you to find that information and to get in touch with Carrie if you have any questions. That's helpful. And there you have it. Financial and estate issues particularly challenging for women. <music> It's getting to know you time. Hey, yeah, yeah. It's time to get to know Carrie a little bit better in today's show. And uh, Carrie, here's my unique question for you this episode What unique family traditions does your family have?
1: Hmm, unique family traditions. Uh, you know, I think it's starting to become a family tradition. Um, one of my favorite things is that. Uh, on Easter, my cousin always has a big Easter dinner. And the kids, we do an Easter egg hunt outside. um, And there's always a piñata, you know, candy for the kids. I don't know how we got into the piñata. But I love that tradition because it's at my grandmother and grandfather's house that passed away. Um, When they passed away, my cousin actually inherited the house. And so it's neat to go back, even though grandma and grandpa are gone, um, we're continuing that family meal um, and that celebration in their house. And we've done that for I don't know how many years since I was, since I can remember. Um, and so that that's really special to me.
0: The Easter piñata. I kind of like that. I I, I want to start <laughs> that tradition.
1: I don't know how that started, <laughs> but we have a lot of, you know, between the different cousins and stuff, we have a lot of kids. Um, and so that's and been, kids love
0: pinatas. I, they so there they you go. love it. It's been one
1: of the highlights. I mean, they obviously love the Easter egg hunt um, and stuff, but the the pinata is just extra, we just give them extra sugar and let them run around like I love crazy it. kids. Yeah,
0: that, that's fantastic. That's a great uh, great tradition. Very very good. That's a good point. You get all of that sugar built up from finding you know the treats and the eggs and the Cadbury eggs and all those kinds of things, and then to get some of that energy back out, have them you know bang on the pinata a little bit. So then you need to put like healthy stuff in the pinata though, so they don't go right back to the sugar high.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that. Our kids would probably get, get upset if we had healthy stuff. We just, get, we just overload them with sugar and they run around, but then they sleep really good that night. That's so, right. That's yeah. right.
0: It's a crazy day, but then a peaceful night once they all crash. <laughs> That's good. We do, uh, we do at Christmas uh, at, on my dad's side of the family, my grandparents, to encourage you to come earlier and stay longer around Christmas time. Every night leading up to Christmas Day, you get a sleigh gift if you are staying with them. Okay. And so we had they have a big sleigh. Uh, well, it used to be really big. Now they live in a condo, so they had to downsize the size of the sleigh. Um, they used to have actually a really big one that they would put all the gifts in. Now it's a mini sleigh, but that's okay. Um, and they pile it up with a whole bunch of gifts. And then whoever comes and stays each night before bed, you get to go and grab a gift from the sleigh and open it up. And so, I
1: love that. The, that's really sneaky on their part because they want you to stay longer. Exactly,
0: exactly. <laughs> so that's one of my favorite traditions. I like that one. And then on my mom's side of the family at Christmas, um, my mom's parents always um, cook the dinner, the meal, um, the Christmas meal, based on where they traveled that year. And so uh. they, they, they did a lot of international travel through retirement. And so some years they would go to two or three places. So they might go to Italy Morocco, Egypt, I think was like one year. And so we were like, all right, it's going to be either Italian. F- uh, Italian food was kind of always the backup in case they didn't do a lot of travel that particular year. Mm-hmm. So uh, we figured it wasn't going to be Italian usually if they picked something else. But yeah, one year we did Ethiopian f- f- dinner. So there was this huge, and you'd never know what it's going to be, by the way, until oh, you- Oh, don't,
1: they don't tell you. They
0: don't tell you. So you're at the uh-huh. table and then they bring it out and and you find out what it is. So there's a little bit of a uh, you know mystery to it as well. And That's that was, so that, exciting. That was the most interesting year. They brought out the Ethiopian food. And so basically, it was just this big pile of food in the middle of the table. And then we all had these like very, sp- um, I, 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 someone, if they're Ethiopian and listening to the show, they're probably cringing. But, you know, this is from several years ago. I'm trying to remember. It was a uh, kind of like a spongy tortilla, I would describe it as, like a very, very flat, thin bread, but kind of spongy, I, I remember. Mm-hmm. And basically, you like, tear off pieces of it and then use that as your utensil. And everybody's kind of grabbing from the communal pile of food in the middle of the table it's you know vegetables and meats and that kind of thing and so you're using the bread as your utensils that was very unique very different and uh my parents are not adventurous eaters by any means and um so it's pretty it's pretty funny to see them every year like stressing over what the food might be yeah, but, uh, I can see
1: people in my family that are super picky eaters and they yes. would not, not fly. Like, my husband and I are adventurous. Like, we would love that. Yeah. Um, but, but some of the family members, um, you know, they, they really want their ham and, and, mm-hmm. and dressing every season but that does get old after a while i mean there's years where we've done mexican food you know like for thanksgiving yeah mix it up the day after just to have something different than that traditional food
0: it is a little concerning though when sometimes we ask so what is it and then there are some years where uh john uh who is the um he's my grandmother's husband so john is you know new yorker hoboken you know just you know tried and true like you know rough guy but in a sweetheart on the inside but you know typical you know new york stereotype and uh it just goes don't ask questions just eat it just eat it don't worry about it just eat it so Yeah, he needs, to have
1: a talk, he needs to have a talk with my eight-year-old kid that won't eat anything.
0: <laughs> so we're always like, I think it's chicken. I don't know. No, I think it's goat. No, I think it's, you know, everyone's making guesses as they're eating. What, what is, what are we eating? We don't know. So it's that's just, awesome. it's entertaining. It's one of my favorite things about the visit and the trip because it just comes with so much, you know, half adventurous eaters, half super picky, everyone trying to figure out what it is. It just creates good conversation. So I love it. Yep. But
1: Yeah. No, that's a great
0: tradition. Yeah. Those are some good ones for sure. All right, uh, time to learn a little bit more about you as we open up the mailbag. It's time for the mailbag. We want to hear from you. So this week's mailbag question comes to us from Christy in Paragould and uh, Christy says, Carrie, my mom passed away earlier this year. She had signed a last will and testament. So does that mean that her estate doesn't have to go through probate?
1: So, Christy, this is uh, a a very common question, but there's also this huge misbelief in that if I have a will, that my estate does not have to go through probate. And the fact is that a will only makes probate easier. It doesn't always avoid probate. The first thing is it really depends on what are her assets. There are some assets um, that that have to go through probate and are passed via a will. But there are also some assets that pass outside of a will. So if you think about life insurance or your IRA or 401k that has a beneficiary designation on it, those assets pass outside of the will. um, But if you have these probate assets, you know, you do have to go through court. And some probates, you know, they're, they're really easy. Others are drawn out, um, very expensive and complicated. And the fact is we just don't know that ahead of time. And that's one of the reasons why we try to educate our clients about the probate process and how a will works and how a trust works um, so that they can really decide if um, it's something that they'd like their loved ones to avoid. Um, because with proper planning, we can make sure to avoid probate.
0: Well, Christy, that's a great question and one that is familiar. You know, a lot of people have that question, and it is a common misbelief that many hold. It might be a great idea for you, Christy, if you haven't already, to pick up a copy of Carrie's book. Carrie, I'm excited for you to have the platform to talk a little bit about your book and what kinds of things can people learn inside of it?
1: You're right, Walter. So our our book is called Smart, Simple Wealth, How to Get It, Keep It, and Pass It On. And really, this book combines a couple of different practice areas, which was why it was so important to me, um, because we talk about how do you protect your loved ones um, and your wealth from, from probate and from taxes, um, and how to really create that lasting legacy. And so it really is a great combination of estate planning and financial planning, you know, topics we talk about on the show. But you can get your book for free if you go to our website, um, which will be in the show notes. Or you can also give us a call at 870-275-4304. And the book is Smart, Simple Wealth.
0: Again, that's Smart, Simple Wealth. And if you want to get the book, you can certainly do that on the website, QureshiLaw.com, or by calling 870-275-4304. And we'll put a link in the description of today's show to make it easy on you as well, where you can go and get that book for free. So definitely take advantage of that. If you have any questions that revolve in that world of integrating your financial, legal, and life planning. That's exactly what Carrie and the team at Qureshi Law Firm does for their clients each and every day. And this book talks a lot about those principles and how you can create that lasting legacy. Just like we started off the show today, talking about uh, the importance of that legacy and passing it from one generation to the next, Uh, lots of different details about how to do that in the book. Good food for thought, as always. Carrie. thank you for a uh, fun show today. Uh, good discussion, and uh, looking forward to having another great conversation with you on the next podcast.
1: Yep. Thank you so much, Walter. Have a great one.
0: You too. That's Carrie Qureshi. I'm Walter Storhol. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you next time, right back here on Smart Simple Wealth. Did you know you can subscribe to the Smart Simple Wealth Podcast with your favorite app? It's on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and dozens of other places where you listen to podcasts. And if it's not on an app you'd like to use, let us know and we'll get it on there. To make sure you never miss an episode, just search Smart Simple Wealth on your favorite podcasting platform today and subscribe. Investment advisory services offered through Pegasus Wealth Coaching, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Legal services provided by Qureshi Law Firm, PLLC. The Qureshi Law Firm and Pegasus Wealth Coaching are not affiliated in any way. Investing involves risk, including the potential loss of principal. Opinions expressed are subject to change without notice and are not intended as investment or legal advice. Past performance does not guarantee future results. Consult your financial professional before making any investment decision. Information provided does not create an attorney-client relationship and cannot substitute for obtaining legal advice from an attorney admitted to practice law in your state.